Hello. Hello, Sally. Hi. Thank you so much for making the time to uh, join me. Thank you so much. Just bear with me one second. I, about 38 years ago, I took an antibiotic, which was really stupid, and I became type 1 diabetic and rheumatoid arthritic and all sorts of things. I fixed really? arthritis in no time, yeah. But I'm Just still from the di uh, antibiotic? Yeah, I met quite a few people who that's happened to. Rheumatoid <sighs> arthritis, type 1. I was you know, in my 30s. So, um, but anyway, why I mentioned that is that my blood sugar monitor has just, just gone off, telling me to take a bit of insulin. So I'll be back in one sec. Oh, okay. okay. Over the last 20 years or so, I've um, probably given hundreds and hundreds of talks. And almost without fail, I tend to mention Western A Price because... Thank you. Thank you. It By the way, I've changed the light. And I think, I think it's it looks better, better now. now. Yeah. looks much better, yeah. And... Um, you know, I, I don't really see clients too often anymore, but, but I used to a lot. And you know, one of my first questions is always about the teeth. Uh, I think dentists, <laughs> you know, yeah. as psychopaths go, um, yeah. it's a pretty popular profession. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I'm so pleased to speak with you. Um, I don't know how many years ago it was, but an awful long time ago, uh, I bought nour Nourishing Traditions. Thank you. And, uh, then um, uh, I learned about the childbirth, child, child book that you did with Tom. Yes. Uh -huh. And um, really, I wanted to catch up with, with where you are. If we, um, the, I wondered whether your ideas had changed. I mean, I spoke to Tom Cowan a couple of years ago about the book, and he said, oh, I wish I could rewrite it now because I'd, you know, add more stuff. So... Um, if we assume that people maybe have got a basic knowledge about what the Western Price ideas and foundation is, or you, you could sort of you know, explain that briefly. But I'm super interested about what you've learned since you wrote those books. Okay. And there is some, I mean, there's, for the people listening, there is some fantastic information in the books. You know, it's so big, I can't admit to having read the whole thing, but um, the whenever I just open it there's always something fantastic to know about um well i think basically the basics of both books nourishing traditions and the baby and child care book are the same i mean there's not any huge changes i would make except to kind of emphasize things more and i'll tell you something interesting i just wrote an article about some research that was done in the late uh, 1900s, um, 1980s, 1990s, where they were looking at, they, they would give rats a poison, uh, a carcinogen, or they would implant tumor cells in the rats. And then they would give the rats, the, the diet was kept the same except for the different types of fats in the diet were changed. <clears throat> and they to see what would happen. Even the smallest amount of omega-6, that's what's in vegetable oils, uh, caused the tumors to grow and metastasize. Saturated fats did not cause the tumors to grow. But the thing that was most protective, and I sort of knew this, but I'd forgotten it, was conjugated linoleic acid. And conjugated linoleic acid is a type of fat that's found in butter, egg yolks, and the fat of animals, especially if they're grass-fed. 
and it was the strongest anti-cancer substance that they tested. Now, I think, uh, so I, I'm, I guess what I'm saying is I would even be more insistent on really trying to get our food from farmers who have their animals on grass. The way we do farming today is an abomination. Um, it's abomination to the animals it's, and to our health. We, we really need to have our animals on grass the old fashioned way. And I think of all of these cancer clinics, we, we see ads for these on television at the supermarket where these kids are forced into chemotherapy. And is anyone telling these, the parents of these children that their chances will be a lot better if they go back to the fats of grass fed animals? Nobody is. Nobody is. And yet this was very clear in the research. I remember reading in your book um, where it compared, I think, grass-fed animals against soya-fed animals, and the lifespan yeah. was a third or something like oh, that. Oh, a much even lower. But uh, the a dairy cow, for example, her lifespan is about 600 days. She has one calf, and then she's milked till she drops, basically. Whereas a, a dairy cow on pasture and given a break between lactations, she'll produce 12 calves and give milk for 12, 13 years. So we're eating poisoned animals if we eat. Yeah, yeah. And soy, I, I, something else I just discovered, uh, I hadn't realized that it's not just a soy protein that's full of estrogen. The um, oil, there is as much estrogen in a tablespoon of soybean oil as there is in a birth control pill. Wow. Yeah, let that sink in, you know? Um, so all of the fast food that people are eating, um, and many children, that's all they get from weaning, um, are just being loaded with, with estrogens. Well, add that to the plastic water bottles. And the plastic water bottles, all those other things, but I think that pales in comparison with what's in the soybean oil. Well, that's incredible. I, I'd love a link to that if you... Uh... You know, it's quite interesting. I, I, I saw the statement and I thought, well, I can't give this out until I find a reference. And I put somebody on it and it was, it was in an obscure nurse's journal. So we posted that on our website, but then um, that reference has disappeared from the internet. Uh -huh. <laughs> yes. So um, I've got I've got to find someone to go to a library and actually get the. Well, the, there's the Wayback Machine. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah. Yeah. So I I guess what I'm saying is things I have learned recently make me even more firm in my thoughts that we just need to be avoiding these industrial seed oils, especially soybean oil, and um, eating grass-fed animals. And, and, and of course, grass-fed is a, a, a sort of a misnomer. It was, as you said before, it, it's you know pasture-raised because clearly a field should have trees in it. I mean, uh, cows love eating the leaves off trees. It should have mushrooms and herbs and wildflowers and the whole yeah, when you ask anybody what a cow well, is, it should have a, a variety of, of plants for sure. Yeah. Yeah. My husband and I are far, uh, dairy farmers, so um, we do have 
pasture in the shade and we have pasture in the sun, but I don't think they're getting any mushrooms. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, there is the, uh, the 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 idea that they the animals who are you know so slow in the field of horses and so on they they look forward to the mushrooms it gives them some, something different to do yeah well for sure there's a lot of good fungus in the fungi in the soil and that's what you want well, exactly and um um should sh 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 we talk a little bit about teeth and western prices work there because you know the the, the the more years i do this sort of thing the more simple it gets really yeah as tom says it's it's really easy the solution is easy you just have to know what it is <laughs> well as dr price pointed out the um, shape of the jaw and the way the teeth fit in the jaw is has nothing to do with race or heredity, any of those things, it has to do with the food and especially how the parents ate preconception and then the mother ate while she was pregnant and then the weaning foods and the foods during growth. And we've uh, learned that the really key vitamin in this is the, um, what Dr. Price, what people call the X factor or the price factor is vitamin K2, MK4. Uh, uh, you know, there's always these little wrinkles. Uh, apparently, there's different versions, different isomers of vitamin K2, but only one is the real animal form, and that's MK4. And this is what, um, in concert with other nutrients, determines the shape of the face and the width of the jaw. And when the jaw is wide and the teeth are straight, it means that the uh, There'll be plenty of room in the head for all the glands, the master gland, the sinus passages will be um, capacious, uh, the ear tubes will be large and so less chance of infection. Breathing will be good. And Dr. Price noted that there was a correlation between the um, lung function and the shape of the jaw. When you had a good wide face, meant that the lungs were properly formed and the people were very resistant to TB. Right. And um, what, what do you do about your oral health? Do you, do you make your own toothpaste or how, how do you no, do that? No, I, I do brush my teeth um, with a non-fluoride toothpaste or sometimes with baking soda. Um, that's about it. <laughs> and... Back in Western Price's day, things like dental floss wouldn't have in, been invented yet, I don't suppose. No, and it's interesting, the views about dental floss, uh, you know, at, a, at one period, everybody was supposed to be flossing their teeth. And now they say that this is not necessarily healthy, that it hurts the gums. So, you know, but, these dads so come and go. They do. When I when I tried flossing, I thought it was a horrible thing, and I oh, it hurts. it's very painful. <laughs> yes, yeah. I also, supposedly, they embed all sorts of chemicals in the floss as well, like oh, really, apparently. Mm. Um, what they do is incredible. You, I don't know whether you know that the placebo that they used when they were uh, testing the vaccine was another vaccine. Yeah, with lumen in it. Yeah, it's not a real placebo. 
I, I give you an exa another example of this. I wear contact lenses, and there's a, a little soap solution that you clean your contact lenses with. And nobody knew this, but for years it had mercury in it. Thimerosal. Yeah, thimerosal. And then, you know, the, this was pointed out, and they took out the thimerosal and doubled the price. Yes. Um, but, you know, I used to be in the contact lens business. Oh, is that right? Oh, yeah. Uh, I started with, with some others, it, what actually was England's biggest contact lens company. Oh, very good. Mm -hmm. Basically, we we had the um, the extended wear lenses, but, uh, and we manufactured them by vacuum forming them. So we were the first people to come out with you know the lenses that cost all you, know, you get thirty for thirty dollars oh, or something. Okay. You know, it used to be thirty for one. So we sort yeah. of revolutionized the industry. Oh, okay. Well, the um, interesting thing is that eyesight is also very much correlated with the teeth. And I needed braces and uh, very thick glasses. You know, I was a typical example of um, a child that wasn't getting enough fat-soluble vitamins and, and so forth. Uh, my dad used to sit at the table and say, you know, I just don't understand it. Your mom and I have naturally straight teeth and perfect eyesight. My dad was a pilot. He said, Why, how come all of you kids need braces and glasses? So I heard that question when I was young, and I guess that was my life's journey to answer the question. But what I was able to do is turn this around with my own children. None of my children needed braces. Very good. Uh, they, all need, they all needed glasses, but a much... Um, less strong prescription than, than what I needed. So we'll see with their children whether uh, you know, they need glasses or not. Well, um, I mean, one can further improve the chances by taking advantage, for instance, some of the work they did in Russia with the peptides. Oh, yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, so when, um, uh, when the Cold War was really on, uh, they were embargoed so they couldn't get the drugs that they may or may not have needed i would say not yeah. but nevertheless so they they went they carried on with the routes they'd had before which were for instance frequency devices you know bioresonance really yeah. came out of russia and the scanar device and so on but they'd learned a few things from from their spies in america and one of them was that they'd found out the Americans had developed a blinding laser so they could fly a B-52 higher than, than could really be seen. And they could do a number of things. There were a couple of sound weapons that they had. They had one sound weapon that would turn off combustion engines. So that there's the whole army rolling forward and suddenly a tank won't work, right? Wow. How are you gonna to go to war? Then the second sound weapon disrupted the bowels so now you've shit yourself and your tank won't start <laughs> or over nobody's died yeah yeah then the third weapon was this blinding laser and the, the russian spies had found out that if the americans flashed it everybody on the on the battlefield with their eyes open would have retinal damage so they should have realized the Russians, like with the other two weapons, they're never going to use it because it's too cheap. They, you know, they want a cruise missile that costs a hundred yeah. trillion bucks. Right, right, they right. Buy another one. You know, 
a, a blinding laser, never going to use that. That doesn't suit the business model of war, you know. So, um, but the Russians took it very seriously. So they put uh, over a hundred of their um, scientists on to working out how to cure people on the battlefield. They wanted something portable, like in the early Star Trek, you know, they, they wanted yeah. something like that. And they were so worried about the retinal damage that as, as well as de developing the microcurrent systems for the eyes, they started um, researching peptides. So they were taking, in this case, peptides from the eyes of animals. And this was, you know, 30 something years ago. And the results were incredible, you know, because it was the Russian state. They could monitor 20,000 people for 20 years. They, mm. they you know. So the research is phenomenal. And so the first peptides were, were for the retina. And the first three that they brought out, there was one for the thymus, one for the retina, and one for the pineal gland. I think you need to write an article for us. Well, there are books on it, actually. There, there's oh. a book called The Peptide Revolution, for example. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've been lucky enough to... I've uh, been going to uh, some of the anti-aging conferences and mm -hmm. um, I'm going to one in a couple of weeks. And Professor Cavinson, the guy who did all this research mm -hmm. back when it was Russia, is still alive and lecturing and looks ridiculously young. I mean, mm. it's interesting to know. And um, so now they've got about 25 peptides. You know, there's one for the lungs, one for the heart, oh. one, one for circulation, you know, all sorts. But then it gets more interesting in a way because you don't have to take them for forever. Depending on, on the severity of the condition, uh, you take them for a month, then you have six months off, then you do another month, mm -hmm. or with a more severe condition, take them for two months. You know, it's um, like any good therapy, perhaps, it, it's kicking your body back into working properly again. So this is the peptide revolution? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. And most people take maybe three at once. Mm -hmm. And the pineal and the thymus are both very, very popular. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, the research is incredible. Thank you. <laughs> Good. The, um, I, I don't know whether you've heard, I, I have an organization called the Secret Health Club. I'll, I did I'll, not know that, yeah. I'll, oh. I'll sign you up to it. Uh, well, okay. The, was in 2014 youtube took me down <laughs> why and, am i not surprised yeah and so in I thought, 2014 well, you were a pioneer yeah. yeah absolutely it was i was working with sort of an internet tv channel who most of what they did was exposing political corruption like pedophilia mm -hmm. and it was really i was a, a side target mm -hmm. if you like mm -hmm. really but they said i was being too television like and they insisted this is the uk government that I should tell them two weeks in advance in writing what I'm going to say. <sighs> anyway, they threatened us with what would be in dollars, $300,000 fine if we didn't take it down. So we had to take it down. We got it back up again eventually and then it took me down again in February 2020, for, unsurprisingly. But so then I thought, well, I, I'm not going to just bow to this. I'm going to start a private members club where all the information can be there you know available so mm. um, i'll send you um a, a link to it because it yes it's, please do i'm very interested yes yeah. it, it's like got an a to z of issues and solutions and um 
hopefully somewhere in the food section you might be there but you will okay. <laughs> okay you know the the this is another thing i've realized or it's just kind of become more um more important to me to say that this diet that we recommend it's just it's not a weird diet it's not hard it you actually don't deprive yourself of anything you have um uh you know good fats uh, you can eat meat um you can have dairy products you can have healthy soft drinks this is my homemade kombucha uh, you can have uh, desserts. Um, you can have everything. It's it's all there, um, and I think that's really good news for people because a lot of the diets that are presented as being healthy, you, you just can't stay on. They're they're very artificial. I, I find the keto diet, while wonderful, I can't stick to it because I like um, carbohydrates. I think basically. yeah, mashed potatoes. And I've I've read recently that um, you do need carbs for thyroid function probably among other things so um, very few traditional diets did not have carbohydrates well yes i mean the 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 resistant starch idea you know where actually you cook the carbohydrate foods 24 hours in advance and reheat them that apparently apparently changes things oh it turns it into i'll say resistant starch so um, easier to digest as far as I understand it, but I'm not I'm not an expert there. So well, uh, and again, I think another thing that makes what we're doing stand out is our emphasis on digestion, making foods easier to digest. So let's face it: if your food is hard to digest, like uncooked leafy greens or grains that haven't been prepared properly. Uh, first of all, your body has to use a lot more energy to for digestion. So less energy left over for you, but eventually you get into trouble. Your stomach and intestines just go into revolt because they can't handle these difficult to digest foods. So, so, so let's let's talk about that. I mean, essentially making your own digestive enzymes in the kitchen. Um, I, one result I had years and years ago is I discovered water water kefir. I thought this is wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I had this client who'd had diarrhea for nine months. In three days, totally fixed, yeah. you know, just yeah. with drinking. And sauerkraut will do that too. We had a very nice letter in the journal from someone who's, they were going to take out part of their colon. And um, the colon had burst, actually. Wow. And um, it was a horrible situation. And he, they just he just started eating sauerkraut and everything healed up and no more problems, no more, no operation. It, it is amazing, isn't it? I mean, presumably our ancestors in the past to get through a cold winter, they would have been forced to ferment foods. And Well, yes, that, that's how they did it. And, and in fact, every single traditional culture in the world had fermented foods. There's just no exception to that. So you mentioned the kombucha. What what are your favorites? Well, I like kombucha. I like it because it's sour and it's easy to make. Um, I'm not personally. I'm not a fan of cultured milk. I like my milk sweet, <laughs> raw milk. Uh, but I do drink um, raw milk every day. 
and bone broth. Again, um, we've learned so much about broth, not just how it heals the gut, but how it makes you feel good. And it regulates dopamine levels. And, you know, we say chicken soup for the soul. And there really is a scientific basis for that little <clears throat> saying. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and I think um, every, everyone should be making broth in their crock pot and, you know, having it frequently. And um, uh, so let's just go to oils for a minute. So um, butter, lard, dripping, all the natural ones. What about coconut oil and okay. avocado oil and so on? What's your feeling? Well, coconut oil is a, um, uh, you know, a traditional fat. It's got some wonderful types of fats in it. So coconut oil and coconut products are good. Um, tallow is your best choice for high temperature cooking. We also cook in lard. Um, now, something about olive oil that I've just discovered. So I always said that your olive oil should uh, stand the fridge test and that would mean it's real olive oil. In other words, you put a little bit in the refrigerator and it should kind of harden up jelly. So a toothpick can stand up in it. And I was using some olive oil. I knew it was real olive oil and the passed the toothpick test. And then I got some other olive oil, which I knew was real olive oil. I knew the people who grew it and it didn't gel in the fridge. And I thought this is very strange. So I started to do a little internet search. And what I found out was that <clears throat> the levels of omega-6, which is the bad guy, the bad stuff in olive oil can vary from 3% to 27% just depending on the type of olive. It, it has nothing to do with adulteration. A lot of olive oil is adulterated. Nothing to do with climate or soil. It's just the type of olive. And the second one that I tried was the kind of olive that produces a high omega-6 oil. And you might as well be eating vegetable oils, right? So we're going to do some research on this and um, uh, revise our shopping guide. Uh, we won't put any olive oil in there unless it passes up the test with the toothpick. Yeah, that's so right. not all olive oil is going to be good for you. Even if it's absolutely pure, it's not necessarily going to be good for you. That's very interesting. Yeah, and we so we do recommend uh, you know the right kind of olive oil for salad dressings, but I no no longer cook in olive oil. I I cook in lard or tallow or butter. Right. Right. So what other pieces of advice would you offer to people? Uh, well, you, you, you've talked about having high blood sugar. My problem growing up was low blood sugar. I was hypoglycemic and I learned very quickly that if I ate, if I just had something sweet for a meal, it was a disaster. I was like on the floor two hours later, a real disaster. Uh, once I went blind um, from low blood sugar. Wow. <clears throat> yeah, so what I learned very young was that if I had protein and fat with every meal, that did not happen. 
And I think that is a very important rule for everybody. You don't want this blood sugar roller, roller coaster. Whether your blood sugar ends up too low or too high, you want nice, steady blood sugar. That's just like the, the most basic rule about health. <clears throat> so if you don't do anything else, just, you know, you have protein and fat for breakfast, protein, fat for lunch, protein, and fat for dinner. And you can have carbs, but, the, you know, not to excess. And um, presumably you'd recommend, obviously, old varieties of wheat if you were going to have bread and or old yes, and, and sourdough. And now, uh, very interesting, there was a study in Italy where celiac disease is just rampant. And they took uh, patients diagnosed with celiac disease and gave them genuine sourdough bread and they had no reaction. They digested it just fine. And that's because the sourdough process is a pre-digestion. Uh, and then you're eating something that's already digested. It's fermented basically. So yeah. I do eat some bread, but I always do sourdough. Yeah, yeah, no, very wise. And um, so, are you very restricted as a dairy farmer as to what you can sell? You know, I mean, here in England, you, you can't buy raw milk except at the farm gate. Uh, I think you can buy it at farmer's markets. I think it can be delivered. So, sure. yes, yes. So, I mean, so long as the farmer is in, involved with it, but you can't buy it in the shops is what I should have said. Right, right, right. Well, um, every state is different. There are about 14 or 15 states where you can buy it in the shops. Oh. And in California, for example, the most successful dairy in the whole country is a raw milk dairy. They've milked 1,200 cows. And their income last year was, their gross sales were $22 million. A lot of dairies would be like to have that kind of income. Uh, in our state, uh, Maryland, the state of Maryland, you can sell raw milk with a label that says for dogs and cats. <laughs> and that milk we can take across state lines we can take to farmers markets uh, we can put in retail stores if we want to um, we got the first permit in Maryland and now there's about half a dozen farms doing this so we, we think the day will come when there'll be more raw milk farms than conventional farms Wow, we're a long way and, from that in England. Yeah, and it's it's a tr tremendous sales. I mean, the demand for raw milk has skyrocketed. Everyone I know producing raw milk sells out. We sell out every weekend. And it's just a huge demand for it. Well, that's, that's great. The message to me, that's really good news. It, it tells yeah. me that we've done our job well. Well, absolutely. And I wonder whether the big producers are uh, using cows of old varieties where the milk is yellow and lovely and yeah, yeah. big-headed cream. Or... Yeah, it's mostly Holstein cows. And even if it did have a lot of cream, they take, they take some of it out. 3.5% yeah, cool. is considered whole milk, 3.5% butterfat. But a lot of cows will produce 5 five or even 6% butterfat. And the, what the, see, what the industry has figured out is they can make a lot more money on that butterfat by putting it into ice cream. They get five times more for the butterfat from ice cream than from selling butter or cream. 
And that's why they don't want people to drink whole milk. They want you to drink skim milk and then be, um, have cravings for ice cream. And that's basically what Americans do. You know, Americans eat huge amounts of ice cream. It's not unusual for someone to eat a quart or even a half gallon of ice cream after dinner because wow. they're so starved for fats. And it is illegal in this country to serve uh, whole milk in the schools. They have to have reduced fat milk and they hate it because it's watery and bluish. And so their other alternative is chocolate milk, which has almost as much sugar in it as a soda and is made with powdered milk, which is uh, really quite toxic. Um, you know, in a nation that professes to love children, we are not doing a very good job. Yeah, well, the people love children. It's just the government that hates them. Yeah, but, you know, parents should know better, I, I, I think. <laughs> I wish, but they've been through the education system. Uh, I guess got... the de-education, the propaganda, yeah. The indoctrination camp for children. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my, my grandson... Uh, was in public school and uh, he they still are and they get the chocolate milk for lunch and he developed asthma and um i found a source of raw milk for my son at a farmer's market and guess what no more asthma yeah and it's so cute because four years old this little boy is four years old and he tells me sally raw milk doesn't give me asthma but if I drink the school milk, I get asthma. So he's learned a, a lesson at a very young age. Well, exactly. Yes. Well, let's hope he tells his friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At the same time, you kind of keep it quiet. You, you know, the social services, you know. Wow. They, they might take your child away. God. Horrendous. And in Maryland, how many kids are on Ritalin or some similar? Oh, I don't know how many, but yeah, it's, and Ritalin is, I think it's sort of like heroin. It's, I, I think they say it's more like crack. Oh, is that right? Or, or, or no, methamphetamine is the one that was meant to be like. No. Oh, well, it, it does calm them down, but make turns them into zombies. Yeah. So I don't know the answer. I know it's growing. Um, the... Um, Autistic children, you know, there was a study by Christopher Exley, which found that the brains of autistic children were very high in aluminum, like the brains of Alzheimer's patients. And where do they get this aluminum? It's not from the food, because you, you, your body has a way of keeping aluminum out. It's from the vaccinations, and all the vaccinations are loaded with aluminum, and that goes to the brain, and the brain is poisoned. Yes, exactly. I, I met Chris at a conference a few years ago. And we had a discussion about what's the best thing to do. Uh, you know, silica clearly is. And I said, well, horsetail, I make a tincture of horsetail. And he said, oh, no, that's not going to work. Yeah, the silica water. I'm quite confused, really. Yeah, I, I don't know about that. I think the main thing is to <laughs> not get vaccinated, but... Um... Absolutely. Uh, yeah, we'd like to get him to one of our conferences. I heard him speak in California, and I was just amazed. I mean, this is a smoking gun. This tells you why these vaccinations are so dangerous. 
why they affect our children the way they do. So if somebody came to you and said, right, how can we undo it? Yeah, well, the silica water might help. Um, I wish we had a source that came from the United States, or I, I think there are ways of making it, actually. I think if you search that on the internet, you can find the ways they infuse the water with silica. I'm, I think your horsetail tea might be good. <laughs> um, yeah. But, um, and then I, mean, I think I, homeopathics, I, you know, they make homeopathic remedies for every vaccination. I think that would help. And our diet, get on our diet. We've had lots of autistic children recover just by getting on the right fats. And then there's Natasha Campbell McBride's GAPS diet, which has also um, helped a lot of children, a lot of children. Well, Years ago, I started a series called The Health Revolution, and the very first person I interviewed, because I wanted to start with autistic children, was Natasha. Yeah. I heard her, the first time I heard her, I was in Australia. <clears throat> we were both speaking at a conference. And to me, I would just was, I mean, I'm not happy to hear about autistic children, but I was so happy to hear, here is a doctor, and I'm, you know, I'm not a doctor, uh, from halfway around the world who's come to the same conclusions I've come to but you know on a different from a different path the broth the cod liver oil the good fats proper preparation the fermented foods she was presenting all of this and I was going to present the same things you know an hour later <laughs> yeah <laughs> but she had come from a different uh way and we both came to the same conclusion yeah and her history was she was a neurologist wasn't she yes yes and i was just a cook <laughs> <laughs> and uh i i've got no, no nothing at all so uh, oh well no i think you do <laughs> i think you do inquiring so, mind yeah yeah kerry rivera is the other person i or one of the many other people i like in that world kerry rivera rivera she wrote the book um reversing the symptoms known as autism oh okay and um in the end she had to go into hiding and was wanted by interpol she was working with gc maff and david noakes and dr bradstreet yeah. mm -hmm. and uh at one point she she had to wear a protective vest because she was worried she'd get killed she yeah well, uh, Kerry, Kerry, Kerry rivera's work is fantastic she was on She's been on, on the Autism One conference. Okay. okay. I'm just looking for a pen to write all this down. <laughs> Hang on. Yeah, Kerry with an I, Rivera. Maybe in about 2017 or something like that, she presented a presentation of dozens of children who were interviewed and saying, you know, what was it like when you had autism and Asperger's? And they, they described how terrible it was. So how are you now? Completely cured? Um, wow. Wow. Yeah. They don't want these children to be cured because autism is like a butterfly bomb. It doesn't kill the child, but it makes the child need two adults for its whole life. And that takes them out of society, basically, and impoverishes them and 
Yeah, so the idea is not to cure them and not to kill them, but to make them very sick. Yeah, and the whole family. Uh, yeah, and the whole family anger. suffers. I mean, usually uh, the husband leaves because he just it's just too much for him. Yeah, it's it's the, the you know the adult autism that is in the way the most shocking. I think you know, with children, well, you know, there's a really good chance that you can reverse things and things could get so much better, but. It's the the adults who are. And what are we? And who's going to take care of these people when the parents are gone? Yes, I think the Canadian government has got an answer for that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, if somebody's pregnant now, let's say they're six months pregnant, and they suddenly go, "Wow, I, I've got to pay attention." Um, Presumably, everything you've just said is perfectly suitable for 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 pregnancy. I mean, I remember reading in your book how uh, you know tribes had certain foods that they'd give the father and the mother before before procreation. So yeah. um, I'm asking this particularly because my my son's girlfriend is now six months pregnant, and I do my best. I've given her your book and. Uh, um, I can't remember it's called the pain-free birth book from about 1940 and oh, all sorts yeah. of books. Well, uh, the, you know, just you can have all sorts of uh, childbirth techniques, but if the pelvis is too narrow, just like the teeth are too narrow, um, it's, you're going to need help. Um, but it's never too late to start, even at six months. And one of the things we highly recommend is eating liver once or twice a week. And you know, that's, this is really easy to do in the UK. You just go to a pub and order chicken liver pate. All the pubs have it. <laughs> that's one of the reasons I love traveling in England. If I could get pate so easily. It's um, very yeah. easy to do in England is to get your liver. Yeah. I, um, I tell the story. Um, I, we had a film crew at our house and they were the nicest people. There were five of them. And all of them had beautiful straight teeth and a wide jaw. And they were all in their 20s and 30s. And I said, now, I want you to tell me how you ate. Did you get cod liver oil? No. Did you get raw milk? No. Were you into health food? No. But all of them said, we ate liver growing up. One said, my mother hated to cook, but she loved liver. So she made liver twice a week. And then we had somebody come into our store with the widest palate I've ever seen on an American. An African-American, just beautiful teeth. And uh, I said, what did you eat growing up? And he you know, kind of looked confused. I said, did you eat liver growing up? He said, yes, we had liver twice a week. It was, in, it was um, you know, it wasn't expensive and we all liked it. We all had liver. I'm so that, that's the first thing I would say get get on that liver and the the poultry liver is the best because it has all the vitamin k in it oh good so i, I that's the only poultry liver is the only type i actually like yeah yeah i'm i mean i will eat beef liver but i i like goose liver it's what i like um, well that's super interesting that's, um, that's the first thing i'd say and then i'd get some raw milk and eat, do lots of butter 
Uh, if you do cod liver oil, use our only our recommended brands, which are all available in the UK. Uh, and the fermented cod liver oil, like green pastures, is that? Mm -hmm. Do you rate that? Yeah. Oh, yes. That's re highly recommended. In fact, I'll tell you an interesting story. So my daughter-in-law was getting very low vitamin D readings, and she was taking 10,000 units a day. And I said, well, first thing is you have to stop because that'll cause kidney stones and all kinds of problems because it's not balanced with the A and K. I said, take the, I gave her some green pasture and she started taking that and her vitamin D levels went up. So why, why didn't it go up with the, you know, the pill and went up with the cod liver oil? Well, green pasture has just done some very interesting research, which found that the vitamin D in the fermented cod liver oil is the activated form. The other vitamin D that we eat in food has to be transformed into the active form. And a lot of people don't have those enzymes. They lack the enzymes, but the, in the fermented cod liver oil, it's already done. This is what the fermentation does. So, you know, she was really convinced. She thought I was a miracle worker. <laughs> Yeah, I said, just get on this fermented cod liver oil and see what happens. And her, and sure enough, her vitamin D went up. Does anybody else apart from green pastures make make fermented? There is a one company in in the UK, I think, that's doing that, and we have them listed. All right, okay. But I think this is the future. I think this is what will be in the future. See, what happened is, all over the areas that produce cod liver oil, they built these processing plants, rendering plants that use molecular distillation, which heats the liver, the cod liver oil so hot that it destroys the natural vitamins and they have to add synthetic vitamins. Wow. And this is pretty much everywhere. And so we're going to have to, you know, go against that. And of course, these are huge investments, these plants. So there's one factory in Iceland, there's several in Norway, you know, Denmark has a couple, but they're all molecular distillation plants. I see. Wow. And um, what's your most convincing argument? Let's say somebody's not eating organic, not eating natural. What What's the most convincing? And they'll go, oh my God, I wish I didn't realize that earlier. And, you know, what could you say? Well, I, don't, I don't say the first thing is to eat all organic. I mean, that's expensive and it's hard. I mean, I, I try to, but I'm not 100% either. But I think the most important thing is that your grains are organic. Because I don't know about Europe, but in the United States, they allow um, them to spray Roundup two days before harvest. Yeah, exactly. Desiccant. Yeah, it's not a, as a weed killer, as a desiccant. Exactly. And so you're getting this Roundup in your wheat that hasn't broken down. Now, Roundup will break down in the soil over time, but this is full-blown Roundup, and it's in all the non-organic wheat. And um, I think this is one of the reasons people are having so much trouble with wheat. Oh, definitely. And, and they're also spraying barley and oats and everything. So I think for your grains that's where it's super important to get or only organic. Yeah, I can, I completely agree. 
Mm -hmm. I mean, they're, they're spraying the school playgrounds here in England with glyphosate. I mean, it's, it's just everywhere. It's everywhere, yeah. And they say it's not harmful, and but it is, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, the soil... what glyphosate does is it disrupts anything that has glycine in it because it's glyphosate. So it's gly uh, glycine with phosphorus attached, and it will take up space takes up the little notch where glycine is and enzymes and, and various things. And glycine, of course, is extremely important for digestion. So it will interfere with digestion, but it interferes with, uh, there you go. <laughs> it interferes, well, that's what you get from broth is glycine. It interferes with any pathway that involves glycine. Um, your and of course your joints and your tendons have a lot of glycine in them so you get the roundup in there the glyphosate and you're going to be in pain you're going your joints aren't going to work and i think this is uh really what um lyme disease is it's, it's roundup disease well that's that's an interesting idea i hadn't thought of that one yes um, there are a couple of materials, of course, that get rid of glyphosate in the body. <clears throat> you know, usually soil-based materials like fulvic minerals, that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, your body will eventually replace. Uh, it just takes time. Yeah. Um, but if, if I go out to eat and I think I've eaten something that I wouldn't normally have chosen, I will come back and have some fulvic minerals in water just to try and neutralize yeah. Any that's in there. So, um, how hopeful are you? Oh, I'm very hopeful. Good. Uh, we're going to have a storm before it clears. Uh, I've often said what we're seeing is the natural selection of the wise, the people who don't eat wisely, feed their children wisely, uh, will die out. That's nature's way. It sounds very cruel, but that's how nature works. So it's by natural selection. <clears throat> and we are seeing this in the States, such high levels of infertility. We have the highest infant mortality of all the industrialized nations. Uh, our children, I think it's one child in two has some kind of disability or illness. I mean, we're in the 11th hour here. <laughs> And the people who are motivated and um, wise will uh, change their way of eating. What complicates things are all the claims about how we should eat. You know, people get religion, they want to eat healthy, and then they're told to eat a low-fat, low-salt, high-fiber diet. Yeah, while being vegan. Or, or vegan or vegetarian. And that's not the way to go. Well, quite. And... If I might advertise your book, um, this book is just fantastic. It's full of information, also full of recipes and, um, you know, nourishing traditions is exactly what it's about. Our ancestors spent, I don't know, thousands and thousands of years getting it right. And then we've just messed yeah. it up in the last 150. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure we can restore things. I'm very encouraged, as a matter of fact, by, for example, how easy it is to get raw milk now. When we started this, it was hard. It was hard to find. 
I'm encouraged by the number of small farms, the availability of grass-fed animal products. One, one big factor, if I may say so, is the chapter system at the Weston A. Price Foundation. Each local chapter, we have over 400, keeps a list of where these foods are in your community. So if you're looking for raw milk, pastured eggs, whatever, sourdough bread, uh, you can contact your local chapter and they'll give you that list. So the Western Price Foundation, is it .com or? It's westonaprice.org. Right. But we own about 50 URLs and they'll all take you there. So. Oh, great. And um, are there some outfits in, in England? Are there a chapter in England? Yes, I think we have five or six uh, chapters in England. Also, we have a website, realmilk.com, that helps you find raw milk, and the UK is on there. Oh, wow, that's great. I had no idea. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I great. mean, we pride ourselves not only in giving the information, but helping people find the food. Brilliant. So it's been fascinating. Is, is there anything you'd like that you feel you'd like to add before we go? Uh, well, we a couple of things. A bit more? For my sins, I now write a blog. <laughs> Uh, not very often, but um, that's nourishingtraditions.com. Um, I recently wrote a, a blog I thought, which I thought was very interesting about vitamin A deficiency and what happens when you have vitamin A deficiency. And the inflammation and what they call the infection, the bacteria, they come later. It's the deficiency that comes first. Yes. So I hear a lot of people say, well, all our problems are due to inflammation, but the inflammation is not the cause of anything. And in, in many cases, it's the therapy. You know, yep. if you twist your ankle, you want to you want to make sure you're you have inflammation there, because it brings blood to the injury, it cushions it, keeps. Otherwise, you'd be in excruciating pain. Yes. But the what they call the infection and the inflammation didn't come until after the. Um, the deficiency in vitamin A manifested itself. And, and That's just one example of a blog that I wrote. Right. Oh, very good. And clearly you'd advise people to eat their way to vitamin A, never to supplement. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You don't want the, the uh, supplements. You want to eat vitamin A rich food. And the nicest one is butter. And people who eat butter every day are getting a nice steady supply of vitamin A. And the uh, vitamin A in butter is more easily absorbed than from any other food. Yes. And I mean, clearly there's a reason why our ancestors would have put butter on vegetables. Oh, you know, they, yeah. yeah. They realized, it, even, yeah. Even not necessarily knowing, but that was just normal. Well, it tastes better. <laughs> it exactly. tastes better that way. Yeah. I mean, butter's my favorite flavor enhancer. Yeah. Yeah. Butter and salt. I, that's another thing that really people need to understand. You need salt. And so, salt consumption in the United States at the turn of the century in 1900 was three teaspoons per person per, per day because our food was very salty. The fish, the meat, you know, everything was preserved in salt. And now the consumption is about a teaspoon and a half per day, which is just about right for um, uh, meeting our requirements for sodium and chlorine, but um, we can eat more salt without any problem. But this idea that we need to cut back on salt 
is uh, very destructive to our health and what they're oh. doing now. And they, there's an additive called Cinemix, which they're putting in all the food, even soft drinks, uh, to give you a salty taste without putting salt in. And I, I mean, the problem is most people, a lot of people, don't realize that sodium chloride isn't salt as it should be that obviously sea salt is sea salt well you you want you want um unrefined salt with minerals trace minerals in it but even if you can't get unrefined salt or you don't get it um this is one of the good things about living in the modern age is everybody has access to salt and it's cheap so none of us are suffering from salt deprivation and the way that dictators and tyrants used to control people was to control their salt exactly um, look what the british did to india and what gandhi did to stop that that you really do need salt in your diet absolutely well brilliant sally thank you so much for all that wonderful information i look forward to being in your club i shall join you up okay thank but you thank for you, having thank you for all the wonderful work you do absolutely thank you great. Thank okay. you. Okay. All right. I'm going to okay. look up those two books Excellent. right now. Thank yeah. you. Bye, Sally. Bye. Bye-bye.